don't forget to like and subscribe. You can also listen to this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we have a PayPal account for any donations that you'd like to give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. Welcome, everybody, to the Gate Expectations podcast, where I bring in a weekly guest, talk all things Yu-Gi-Oh, and get to know a little more about each person I talk to. It's the only Yu-Gi-Oh podcast that is run by a full-fledged journalist such as myself. This is episode 32. If you haven't checked it out yet, you can check out earlier podcasts with guests like Stephen Trifonoski, Jesse Cotton, Team Samurai X1, Farfa, Crush Cards, Simo, and many more. My guest for this week is a Twitch streamer with almost 2,000 followers and a Yugi tuber with almost 18,000 subs. They're a YCS topper and has topped the most recent remote duel extravaganza. It's Elise Davis, a.k.a. Elysium. Elise, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Never had a, that extravagant of an intro for myself before, <laughs> so appreciate it. <laughs> I was trying to like talk up all my guests before I get them in, though. Get a little yeah. hype in there before I bring them in. It's more hype than I give myself, so it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, speaking of hype, you know, like lately you've been like circulating like all around my social media as of late when it comes to Yu-Gi-Oh. Like you've been like playing like very hot these these past couple of years. You know, like with like you know you. You topped, uh, you topped like Chicago, for example, with the uh, yep. strikers, second strikers mm-hmm. before like the whole pandemic went down, and then you you made the qualifier with a, a really odd deck choice with the animated prank kids, and then when you went to the extravaganza, you you topped with the Drytron Megalith, you know something that was really like so popular with the Drytron build. So like yep. you've had a lot of success like in the past couple of years. So it was a big reason why I wanted to bring you onto the podcast mm-hmm. because of your recent success. <laughs> Yeah, um, all that is, I don't know, it's kind of random too for me, like, for example, like, I know I've been getting a lot of, like, attention because of the, uh, Adam Anspater deck, and that was, like, literally just because my friend Jibriel, who also topped the, uh, LCS with the deck, like, just Mm has been grinding with it, and I just, you know, decided to pick it up and play it, because, like, I was annoyed with Drytron at the time, because I... I think every Drytron player has gotten to the point where they get a little bit too annoyed by everyone oversiding for it. And it's just like, <laughs> all right, I need a small break. And it, I thought it was just fun. And like, because when I first went into the uh, qualifiers, like it, it was, you know, like a 30 person tournament and like the deck was performing decently. So I thought I probably have nothing to lose by, uh, you know, playing something that's not one of the best decks, because I usually try and do that, and that's something I always encourage people to do, and I went undefeated in Swiss, which was really nice, and I lost to a buddy in Top Cut, so, but, like, yeah, I don't know, the deck performed well for, like, a good, like, two, three weeks, and, but it's weird, but it worked. Do you feel like you caught a lot of people off guard with that deck when you were playing during the Swiss rounds? Yeah, the thing is, like, a lot of people, like, it's weird how easily people forget about what cards do super quickly. Like, it, it's not even been, like, six months since Advance Pater was, like, the best deck and the deck that was on everyone's radar. And then they're like, wait, what does that do? And mm-hmm. it, and usually people, at the time, since I, like, did such so much with Drytron and, like, whatnot people still expected me to be on it and it's it's kind of weird because like i'm one of those people that switches decks very often so it's just also uh i remember when i did top with drytron i was like really memeing in like the uh discord chat 
uh, I was just like Ray is Bay constantly. So like I even had someone who was like, "Wait, I thought you were playing striker," and I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'm just bored because we're in a 14 hour tournament." Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And- yeah, and those tournament that I know that uh, that, that extravaganza was like extremely taxing for a lot of people just because of how long it took. I mean, I had friends who would just hop onto like our Discord server and just like, <clears throat> "Hey, uh, I got like an hour and a half and or between like matches. Anybody want to have like a fun game or something <laughs> like that to kind of tune me up?" And that was just a common thing. And it was like two a.m. where where I was. I know you're an hour behind me, but. Like people were still going at two AM, and that would be like ludicrous for if we ever had like an in, in real real life tournament like that. So I mean, how was it like going through all those hours, and then after that, do like a YouTube video like on your own deck list after that? Um, I don't know. Like, so there was one point in the tournament I had a three round break because, or like a I didn't play Yu Gi Oh for like three hours because one of my opponents like dropped, and I finished one of my matches like early enough to where I had enough of a break and it was just like I was just sitting there bored but otherwise like I, I'm used to the grind for the most part because um when I play in events a lot of the time like not on purpose or anything like that I either have little or no sleep and you know having <laughs> to play the whole entire tournament day one where it's like eight to nine rounds it's not something that's foreign to me it just wasn't as enjoyable with this because you don't get the same camaraderie as you would if you're at a like IRL event because you can't just you know walk around your like 20 friend groups and hang out with them and you know pass Mm -hmm. the time and whatever in this it's just like you know everyone is either kind of doing their own thing or because like a lot of my friends in this the first extravaganza I played in like weren't really like playing in it or doing anything between rounds so it was just like it, it was only a chore like in the aspect of not having as much to do but otherwise like it was just another day at Yu-Gi-Oh at the end of the day I'm sitting at home I don't work so I had nothing to do the next day so it wasn't a problem and then the YouTube video was pretty simple honestly if I was already up till that point I can quick do a YouTube video (laughs) (laughs) well well, first of all I think uh majority of us if not all of us can relate that you know we're never gonna have enough sleep for like big Yu-Gi-Oh events for like regionals or anything higher than Mm -hmm. ever because for one thing we're, we always want to test before the night before and we sacrifice a lot of like sleep for test time to make sure that you know the event we're yep. going to like we're doing well so i'm pretty sure we can all relate with that and, and then second of all as you mentioned you know when you're at home it's it might be a little bit trickier to pass the time because yeah when i'm i don't know ycs or whatnot i want to go hang out with like all my friends that i barely ever get to see or i only get to see like once in a blue moon so that kind of takes away from like whatever like anxiety or like intention that you might get and then you know if you have nothing else to take off your mind. I feel like maybe you have a little bit more like anxiety or like that kind of tension when you're at home, like waiting for like two hours, three hours for like for your next match. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and the thing is too, with it being like an online event in nature and not really being able to like, uh, really know what's going on at every minute. Cause like when you're at an event, you can kind of see what's going on, see what, what's get what the holdup is and like all that kind of stuff. But then with this, like, you don't know, oh, are we actually going to start it soon? Do I have enough time to do this, that? Like, it becomes a worry. So, like, the first extravaganza I planned, I also didn't even, like, eat a meal during that time because I'm like, I'm just going to be lazy and just stick it out just so I make sure I'm there for it, even though I had plenty of time. But, you know, you never know, especially with the online nature. So it just got a little weirder with that, but it, it's fine. 
Did you actually like go out and all to to eat or anything, or did you even step out of your house or anything like that when you were doing the the extravaganza? Uh, when I had the three hour break, I did because I was like, I I need a couple snacks because like I I didn't want to commit to a full meal, but like I was like, I can do some snacks right now. That's fine. Uh, so like I quick did that, but then the second one, I just stayed in my room the entire time, basically like did water refills and like the day before I got snacks, so, like nothing major otherwise though. So is it fair to say that because like the the delays in between were like kind of unpredictable, like you really couldn't uh, like commit to doing anything outside to like pass the time to for you to like yeah, go to your next duel or anything I, like that? I, it was me just more being paranoid, even though I knew I had plenty of time. I just wanted to be on the safe side because I know what it's like to like get that random game loss because you were late or like I want to make sure I'm there and I'm like have enough time to set up because of how quickly they can sometimes start rounds. So I'd rather just be completely prepared when like I'm used to the like no food, no sleep, like diet, like at events. So like I can just I can last it. So it's not really a problem. So I just I just grit and bear it because it's just it it's less anxiety to deal with it otherwise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm sure that we've all gone through, again, like, this, the whole streak of, like, when we're at an event, we haven't eaten or anything like that. Like, a lot of us are running on, like, pure adrenaline, like, especially near, like, the later mm-hmm. rounds at that point if we're actually still in the tournament. So, again, I I feel for you on that, and that's why now I always bring at least, like, a snack and a drink with me, like, every time I go to an event, just so I, I don't get, like, hangry or anything like that. Because I know that there have been mistakes that I've made because, like, I've been just, like, I've been upset or like, I'm just, I just want to eat food or something like that. That's something I would think about. And I especially had that a lot with a lot of my friends as well. So I am sure that like majority of us can relate to that same scenario that you were going through during that extravaganza. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like the most important thing was in any event is at least stay hydrated. And like, I'm the kind of weirdo that I can survive without the food. Like that's just me being like insane, but I, everyone else should at least eat something. Like I always troll people. I'm like, Nah, the diet is no sleep, no food. Just drink some water, mm-hmm. you'll be fine. But it's it's purely a meme. I I'm just the weirdo that can do it, but no one else should copy me. It is not <laughs> fun. It's not enjoyable. Don't suffer for no reason when you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. They, they, when we go to when I go to like Toronto regionals, because that's like the main regionals I would go to, mm-hmm. they would always put out like. I would always put like water for us to drink. That stuff would be gone in like minutes. Because yep. like Yu-Gi-Oh players would like just just destroy the, like the free water that's given to them like crazy. At least they're drinking water. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, hydration is incredibly important, especially during like these long events. Yep. You, you never know what's going to happen when you're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, hydration is just important in general, and that's why like I might. Yeah. Twitch chat, I have a command that's to hydrate, to, like, remind me to hydrate, remind everyone else to hydrate. Just just as a fun little thing, but also, like, I think just drinking water is important in general, so... <laughs> right. <laughs> it really is. Remember that. Maybe make sure you're hydrated for your... For your matches, people. So uh, when you were playing, like, the Adamants or Prank Kids, like, you went undefeated in Swiss, and then when you decided for the extravaganza, you decided to go with Drytrons, but not just Drytrons. Drytrons with Megalith, which was, it was it was known that that was there, but it was, like, wasn't regarded as the more popular choice, like the Herald. So what made you decide to, like, switch decks, and then not to mention switch to that variant of Drytrons? So, so actually, that extravaganza top was before the qualifier, and the extravaganza I played in after was with Adamant's Penny Prank Kids again. 
Oh, okay. I got to mix it up. <laughs> no, you're all good. But I mean, I can okay. talk about why I played that uh, Drivetron deck anyways. Because at the time, yeah, uh, like Jesse Cotton had, uh, I think, got first or second at that one LCS with playing the Herald version. And like the Megalith version wasn't getting as much credit as Jesse's list was. I know a lot of people were probably gravitating more towards that than they were the Megalith cards. And the reason why I like the Megalith cards is they just felt like they had more versatility. Like, because the end word would get all the way up to like Appaloosa, Dweller, and then Bethor on their turn, which is like a pop three to four. So like, it felt like it was going to do like plenty and wasn't uh going to like, you know, get broken as easily and it was just gonna do everything you needed to anyways i didn't have like an extensive knowledge of the deck before i decided to play it i just knew that i needed to play a drytron deck and that was just the list i went with because i felt comfortable with it and like i was able to you know get the list to a point where it was like i felt like it was fine and it definitely like did exactly what i wanted to and like going forward, there are definitely like different things to do with it. And I think the Herald build still ends up being better. But I think at the time with Drytron knowledge being so low and like the virtual world deck was still a little bit like not as overly prominent as it was. So that meant like there's gonna be a lot of other different matchups, which the the Megalith cards are really good against because like being able to just uh, have multiple different extenders and then also have a way to like clear your opponent's board so you have safety to play on the next turn was really nice. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Herald cards are better right now, but it could definitely change with a ban list coming up. I think the Megalith cards are like a close second to like stuff you should play in the deck. It's just you need to, especially now with how the format's kind of been defined, hand traps are really important too, and it's hard to fit everything into a single package like if i could play the megalith cards i would but it, it's just not justifiable with needing to make your deck have as much offensive and defensive cards as possible and you just need to find the right mix and the megalith cards just don't work in it right now but as long as you know how to play the drytron deck which it's actually kind of a difficult deck like you should be fine without having the extra stuff in it and being able to kind of you know play with the basics so they say <laughs> Mm -hmm. do you feel it that at least like with the megalith version of it was a, a little bit better against like all, all like the back row decks and kind of like the uh, maybe more like the rogue yeah because like uh, because of bethel's like power to be able to like pop so many cards yeah it, it was purely that because like sometimes with uh the drytron deck at the time like they can slowly grind you out but if i'm gonna like go end phase or like uh they set everything i go uh uh full effect to like uh, some of the Bethor pop all their back row, they lose their grind ability, and they lose their ability to, like, play on my turn, which means I'm gonna outgrind them. Like, actually, I'm just gonna win the next turn instead of having to grind with them. So, like, it definitely adds a lot, because, like, if people are playing trap decks, especially then, they would play, like, Torrential and Strike it were, like, really popular back row at the time, and that just made it so I didn't have to worry about those cards, and I could just auto-win at that point, as opposed to, like, if I just summon a Herald, I could just lose to a Strike. And also, like, Zoo was really popular at the time, too, so it definitely helped play into Zoo a lot more than, like, you could otherwise. So, yeah. It... Yeah, because at the point, you really didn't care if Bethra got popped. You just care if Bethra gets its effect up. That's all you really yeah, cared for. Yeah, if it, if it resolved, I was probably winning that game. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I can, I'll be fine with that otherwise as long as it meant I win the game. 
So now that when you went to the the Automancer prank kids, again, like, tell me, like, the synergy between that deck of, like, how those two, like, actually interact together, if at all. Yeah, so it actually is, like, really synergetic with each other because uh, one of the prank kids, which is Roxy's, is a rock monster. So (laughs) you get to uh, have, like, a ton of cards that have availability to, like, get into it, and it's just another consistency engine. So, like, when we ran the deck, it was a way to summon... um, the battle butler because it would also like it would climb up to a point it also like uh roxy's was like a consistency card because like you got to fix your hand by banishing a random card and like seeing a different card so you got to like potentially fix your hand and get something better and then there were cards like uh the uh quakimaru supplier and the uh parallel exceed that also comboed really well with it because they would just summon mm-hmm. themselves, and then uh, eventually you can go summon Gallant Granite, and then search your researcher, and then just completely go off from there. So, like, the fact that I can also see Roxy's off the, uh, like, Adam Anspader monsters, it, you know, was very nice and facilitated comboing very easily. And the Adam Anspader cards are, like, really strong as they, is, as they are. I thought that the deck, even with Black Dragon getting banned, was going to find a way to play at some point. And I think this is the best way to do it because it gave it the consistency boost that it needed. And, um, like, it's definitely not, a, like, the best choice right now just because, like, it can still get outpaced. It still doesn't have the same recursion. But it, the raw power of it was what helped it, like, start off. And if you stayed with that power throughout the game, uh, you're probably winning. But... It just doesn't have the same uh, recursion that the other best decks do, which is why it's kind of weird, but it's really consistent and has a lot of different play strings, so you have a lot of stuff you can do, and it's hard to stop at times, too. So it's just, I don't know, it, it was a good recipe to, like, mess around with at the time, and obviously it worked out for, like, me and the person who made it and everyone else who decided to play it, so... <laughs> Yeah, not not to mention that Meow Meow Mew was like came out at the time, so you had like the one card started in any prank game yep. that you drew. I knew you played six, and three of them were Roxies, and I and they looked like to me when I saw your deck list that. The whole point of the prank kids was just just to help you build a board, but they also like deck thin your deck like very quickly because that's what prank kids do. They 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 eat the deck like crazy, and that like really helped you like get into like the rest of your your ad emancipator engine on top of that. Once you get that one prank kid, so that's and that's kind of the reason why you ran like three Roxies because it was searchable with Gallant Granite, and then you can keep like comboing mm-hmm. off from there on out. So like I, I see the connection that's kind of bridged between it. So I, I think those prank kids like added like a depth of speed. To the deck as well as deck yeah deck. exactly and like and then in the initial build which is the one that i topped with it had the battle butler engine which added a different dimension of interruption for the deck because then it like when you look at an adamant spider port in general right now it's like maybe a few negates or whatever and dropout was really popular at the time so like you could literally get your whole board just uh uh droplet in and they like use all their resources but then you still have the set pandemonium to then butler them on their turn twice so it just added an- another extra dimension at the time and then like later on when Jibriel played the deck which is like the true version of the deck where that was intended to be played at- in the long run um he cut most of the prank kids because it was just used as like an extender engine and a way to somewhat deck thin yes but also just as like consistency and having more board presence so you can build an even better board and it literally just took the one card to do it which is just roxy's and then 
any other card you had in your hand were just supplementary and got you there. So it was really nice having, you know, because when with the later combo, you literally ended on like Doodle and another Roxy's on board. So you just needed like one other extender, one other combo piece, and it, it literally just ex like exploded from there. So it was really interesting to see how it unfolded like that. And have you played that deck at all uh, after uh, the extravaganza, or has it been like kind of? Put, um, put I've played it a bit. I played it for like another two weeks after that. But like I said, I'm kind of the person who likes to like switch around and whatnot. And uh, and especially because of my stream, I've been having to like play a lot of different decks because like you know people donate for all that stuff. And um, and I just have been on other decks when I'm like actually like playing seriously and what I you know, want to play in the format, just because, like, also, the Adamantspator deck is honestly a lot of luck factor at the same time, even if, like, we have real combo pieces, there's still such an RNG factor that's so annoying to be on the wrong side of, so it, I needed a little break from that pure RNG into something that was, like, truly something I could control and something that was, like, you know, pure skill that I didn't have to just rely on luck for at some point, so... Mm -hmm. Okay, and speaking of your Twitch channel, I mean, this is something that you you I believe you like recently started doing. Like not like you started like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I like started streaming like a month ago. It was purely on a whim because I always kind of wanted to like because I used to like stream like way back in the day, but I just did Pokemon and like I've been wanting to slowly try and do Yu-Gi-Oh content and um like I kind of tried to do it uh when COVID kind of first started being a thing, but. Uh, when I started doing it, it was all, like, dueling book stuff. Remote dueling wasn't a thing. And it, I don't know, dueling book, for me, unless I'm, like, testing with friends or, like, you know, playing with people I know, it can just get to be such a grind that it not only gets difficult to stream, but it just feels like it's boring for viewers and doesn't provide, like, the right content. But then I just, on a whim, I was like, hey, Cody, host me really quick because I want to, like, try streaming today. And... It, it just worked out like since my first day I started, it's been so positive, so rewarding. Like my, like everyone that's been watching has been loving it. Like a lot of the time we're just hanging out, chilling. Like, I don't know. It's been really cool. And I didn't expect it to be as positive and fun as it did as it was, but it, I don't know. It worked out. Yeah. Cause I've seen your YouTube channel before. Like I knew you used to stream like a lot of Pokemon back in the day and you've done a little fire emblem. Yeah. I love, I love as well. I love fire emblem too. I know that was like years ago, but like, yeah, but nowadays like your YouTube channel is just, has just been like purely Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm -hmm. And now that you went into Twitch, like you're almost already at 2k subscribers, which is huge considering like you've only been there for like barely two weeks and, and that's incredible. So tell me more about what you actually do on your Twitch. Yeah. Channel. So the basis of my Twitch channel is like just basically playing in remote dual locals and um like one of the main things that's been like a staple on my channel is like because i introduced some donation incentives and the main one is um if you pay like a certain amount of money i will play your deck for like a deck of your choice for a remote dual local and then like provide like changes and um other different things to try and assist and help your deck and people are really like about it because it just gives like an option to play different things while also I don't know people think I'm like a decent enough player so they like having my perspective on all that stuff which um I don't know they've been really liking it so far but otherwise it's just you know we just hang out and chill and just talk about different Yu-Gi-Oh topics and just whatever for the most part but it does gravitate more around remote dueling because remote dueling is like 
so easy to make for content and like it's so much more enjoyable to do than anything else like you get related half the time and i don't know it's it's been really cool though so why why is it that you think that doing like a, a live stream just like you doing remote duels is is better than uh doing it on dueling book if, if i'm um yeah so it's because like if you're doing dueling book content you have to deal with like dueling book rated and dueling book rated is a beast in and of itself you kind of like to be a grinder on db you kind of just have to be willing to put up with a lot like there's a lot of sh stuff that goes down um you know that you just have to deal with on db and it's just it can get like into a slow grind and i don't know for me it's harder for me to focus on db than it is like actually playing Yu-Gi-Oh. and um i don't know i think also just seeing actual cards and whatnot like people like that so much more than just looking at dueling book because it just it like the interface is fine but at the end of the day it's it's still not the real game and people want the real game especially since we haven't had that in you know about a year now at this point so it it at least lets us harken back to that and feel like we have something still here even though it's like not completely there plus like everyone always wants to see like tournaments happen and locals happen and i think that's the best way to do it because on doing book rated that's just rated you're playing against these random people like and not like nothing matters but at least if i'm in a tournament setting like there's something riding on it there's something cool about it and i think you know people really like gravitating towards that experience and do you think that it also kind of provides like that more like personal touch when you play in real life not to mention that because that we've been wanting like locals back because a lot of us haven't been able to play that at least like give us that that sense and that feel that we're we're at one when you do it with like remote duels like in real life uh or like you know that simulates like in real yeah life i think it it definitely gives it a little bit more um it's definitely not even close to the same but it's still it's way better than nothing and it still you know does a lot and i feel like um i don't know i've been i didn't like it as much at first because like it still wasn't the same thing but it's grown to be better just because uh eventually you know especially with my streaming stuff it's been like more interactive and more like a local instead of me just like sitting there all right hey we're playing and then just quick play a game of Yu-Gi-Oh that can just you know especially with how you know any sort of online Yu-Gi-Oh can be it can sometimes like you know there's always some sort of complication or whatever but you get willing to put up with it if you're you know there and having a good time I feel like and do you feel like also when you don't when you play on db you kind of get like you with like the with like the grind as you said you might get paired up to like a bunch of like like noobs or like newbies who are like not really good at the game where is if you go to like a remote dual locals like that kind of like filters out a lot of like the more the beginner stuff and kind of gets the more experienced players so you actually have like you know like a good like good grind or a good match to play instead rather than doing on uh, uh, to a degree yeah like once you get high enough on db like you get through that but it's just it, you yeah. don't get the same like personal experience that you do even through remote dueling and like sure there are always going to be people that when you play in like any sort of local or anything that aren't going to be the most experienced or anything but it's still like i can still sit there and kind of inform and teach them and help them like do a little bit better instead of i'm on dueling book i'm just like dude come on please just do the right move like do the thing i want to move on with my life <laughs> yeah like 
at least there, like if I'm at a local, I'm intending to do that. And I don't mind like helping them and whatnot. So I don't know. I think it, the more personal experience makes it a lot easier instead of just being completely anonymous through a computer screen. Cause then it's just like, you know, people can be a lot more of dicks a lot of the time. <laughs> that, that's understandable uh, but then when you also when you do remote duels like you also get like a second voice in there with with your opponent as well so like, this is not like to bash anyone who's streaming like that but it you know it prevents it from kind of being stale a little bit now that you're getting some extra voices in there as well so that means there's a bit of back and forth and it kind of keeps everything you know refresh like a refreshing change of pace kind of thing so that way it's it's not like just the same thing all the time over and over right again too. yeah and like it yeah it, it removes a lot of the um just yeah the staleness that can sometimes exist because you're just like cool i get to play another game of Yu-Gi-Oh through my computer but instead it's like i can finish a match and then like i can talk to my chat about everything that happened and like just discuss everything and kind of like especially when i'm doing like the donor requests i can uh like talk about how i felt about like the deck during the match especially if the person's there we can kind of bounce ideas off of like whatever, because eventually at the end of the day, I'll do a YouTube video about it, and it lets, you know, us provide more content towards it, and, uh, I don't know, the, the back and forth is just really nice for it. <laughs> now, I know this was, like, roughly like five, six years ago when you did streaming for, for other content outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, has there ever been any thought of you streaming anything else other than Yu-Gi-Oh! again on your Twitch or YouTube um, platform? I don't really plan for it right now. Like, I... I don't know, there's not much I do otherwise. Like, I'll kind of just casually play games. And it's not, like, before when I used to do it, like, it just felt like more of a chore than anything else. And I don't want it to turn back into that. Because, like, even though there's some moments where I'm creating content for Yu-Gi-Oh!, it, it can seem like a chore, but it feels less like it once it's all said and done. And, I don't know, Yu-Gi-Oh! content just flows really well for me. And I'd rather just, like, keep everything else more hobby basis. Because there are times where I've been trying to, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! did become my job when I'd, like, work at card stores or I'd vend myself, and it just didn't, like, get as enjoyable. But, like, making content, it's kind of easy for the most... Well, okay, for my brand of content, it's kind of easy, but... And, you know, easy to accomplish and everything, and I like talking about this stuff, but if I have to, like, force it out and, like, just make it over the top, I'm not gonna enjoy it. So I'd rather keep, like, the other things I do more as like a hobby aspect and focus on what I can do best. Cause I feel like this is something I can do, you know, to the best of my ability and provide the, you know, proper, you know, content as opposed to just something I just throw out there just to throw out there. Yeah. Cause you're, you're it seems like your heart is into it more than a Yu-Gi-Oh than other things. And you'd rather not do something that's kind of like yeah. fast or anything like that. If you, you're going to go with this, you want like, want to like, you know, really put your, put yeah. Your heart I mean, into been, it. and I don't know, every time I've always tried to branch out, it always just ends up not being worth it. And it's just hard to justify. So I'd rather just put all my focus into one thing instead of trying to diversify out. If I get to the point where I'm big enough to where it's easy enough to branch out then i would consider it maybe if that's what people wanted but it's so hard to like ever branch out when you get into like a specific niche like this so mm -hmm. have you ever had anything from your like suggestions from your fans or, or what from from other people to like you'll branch out and start streaming other things or has it just been strictly um, a Yu-Gi-Oh? Or I don't know. People like have been that. like really just been okay with Yu-Gi-Oh. The only thing is like my old fans will pop up and be like, we want more Pokemon content. And I'm like, I'm not even into that game anymore. <laughs> like it's not my thing at this point. Like I, 
I wish I could to a degree get back into it, but every time I try to, I just, I just don't enjoy it. So I just, I can't force it. And, but that's the only thing otherwise, otherwise like Yu-Gi-Oh players when they're on like a YouTube video or like a stream, they really only want to see Yu-Gi-Oh. It's really hard to like branch out. Cause I know like Cody sometimes mm -hmm. tries to like do some league streams or do some like apex streams or whatever. And then he loses like over half his viewership, which like there's still some people that stick around, mm -hmm. but it's, it's hard when you get us into a super niche to like branch out of it. And it's unfortunate, but it's understandable. Yeah. And then, and that's, that's why I always tell people with my podcast, you know, it's like not, not every single podcast I put out is, is going to be for everybody. I, you know, there's always just going to be something there for somebody. And that, that's, that's why I kind of, you know, try to uh -huh. diversify and really cover like all kinds of talks. So I get something like that. But again, that that's, but then there's the, the inherent flaw in that is that like where, you know the people that were here for like for like yo this subject they're not going to be naturally attracted to the like this subject and then they, they won't tune in because of it so i completely understand that you want to stick to one and then that's what we can gain like majority of your viewership and that's kind of like the like kind of like a good way to kind of develop yeah exactly i'd rather build myself up you know over time and get it to a point where maybe i can consider it but for now there's like no real good and easy way to organically do it so it's just better to not for now, but if it gets to the point where we like both my viewers and me feel like we can do something and it's something fun for all of us, then sure. But for now, it just doesn't feel like that, especially when I'm trying to like grow the brand back up. And that I can completely understand because again, like the more you focus on like one thing, like the better, the better that one thing gets and gets and gets and that, and like eventually that's what mm -hmm. you want to like kind of help you take off and become big. So like, I completely understand that. And I, I, I'm totally with you on that one. It's just somehow that just seems to be not how my podcasts go, but yeah. I completely get where you're coming from. But do you think that, like, when I look at your, your Twitch, I mean, I just think, you know, like 1.9K followers for like, you know, as popular as you are, especially on YouTube, you know, it doesn't seem like much, but you only started well, two weeks ago. It's like, like, did you expect? Oh, oh, oh. oh go ahead. There's, oh, no, I was just going to say, well, a lot of those followers, because like I used to stream like with my Pokemon stuff back in the day, a lot of it was that. And it was actually just like in my analytics, but I still got like, 600 followers in the last month so that's probably decent <laughs> yeah i mean that, that's i mean that's still a good uh that's like still a great following to have considering like you've only been on for like again not even two weeks and like did you expect to for your twitch um, to, to grow to that a decent fast, though? degree just because i knew like people know who i am i'm not like oblivious to it i am aware that people are aware of my existence and whatnot so i knew like i would at least get something mm -hmm. especially because like I do know a lot of, like, the top Twitch streamers, so, like, the fact that I know people and, like, I can get that boost really early and the fact that people just knew me, I kind of expected it to a degree, but the fact that it stuck around and it's made it, me encouraged to keep going and going is what's actually the amazing part about it, because I just, I didn't expect it to be mm -hmm. as good. I expected it to be something, I expected it to be something I could, like, try out for a bit and see how it went, but the fact that we're getting to the point mm -hmm. where... It, we're just having so much upward growth and um i don't know i think that's really cool and i i'm really excited to see where it goes more and like yeah it'll be really interesting to see i mean that, that's how i originally like reached out to you was just you know watching your streams and I, then i finally decided when the schedule fit i'm like hey why did you want you want to come on my podcast or you'll yep. be on you later on <laughs> that's, why I, that's yep. why we brought you here today uh, but 
<laughs> but you know, is there any difference between like the content that you have on your Twitch compared to the content? Uh, you have on yeah. Your so like, I guess the intention I have for my YouTube is like, uh, I kind of want to do more structured content there. And like on my YouTube, it's more going to be like generalized talking points as opposed to like, here's a deck profile. Uh, here's these cards I picked. Like, I know that's kind of been some of the content I've been putting up lately is just like, cause I'm also putting up a lot of like, uh, streaming or stream videos of like stuff I did on stream. But the, the main content I want to produce on the YouTube channel is more like structured, like informative stuff that are supposed to like intend to help you get a bit better at the game or like question some concepts or more generalized stuff in like of concepts of Yu-Gi-Oh! because a lot of people don't do that they try and focus on the current they focus on the now they focus on like bandless stuff they i'm trying to do something a little different that's going to set me apart i don't know if it's going to succeed i know it probably won't compare to like what everyone else does but it's just what i personally want to produce and like that's fine otherwise my twitch channel is like a really laid back place um i could kind of just have free reign to do whatever i want people just go with it and it's just a chill, fun hangout at the end of the day. It's not something that needs to be, like, super stressful or anything. Like, I'm per- like I don't know, I'm pretty sure I've gotten drunk a few times on my stream. And it's just, like, it's been a fun time. <laughs> like, it's that kind of stuff. It's just, we, get, we have fun and stuff. It's not like it has to be anything, like, super, you know, uh, like, high-strung and, like, stressful. It's just a fun, chill experience where I've just been able to, like, I can casually just stream for eight hours. And then I just look at my, like, uh, timer on Streamlabs. I'm like... Wait, I've been streaming for eight hours. Oops, uh, I might need to stop soon. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> and, uh, and and I've seen drunk stream, drunk streams before, mm-hmm. like crush cards. I've seen them do it several times. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny when they get into it. So and I know people will pay to to see that happen. So yeah, d- definitely a, like a fun laid back experience for sure, as as you said. And uh, yeah, yeah, some people like that kind of stuff. And it, it and I I'm and I've done it several times. Not not on stream. But I've like done like drunk Yu-Gi-Oh with my friends before, even like nights before, like doing regionals where we shouldn't be doing it, but we do it anyways, and it's it's totally happened before, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's it's going to happen again whenever events go up for me. So just just to put it out there, you're not going to be the only yeah. one that has that kind of thought process. Of oh yeah, getting drunk. I, I, I more just meant like the general laid back attitude of a Twitch stream is like there's some people that have to be like a lot yeah. more high strung and like have to be more like structured and composed, but. In mine especially, I feel like it's just, like, a hangout zone more than anything else. Like, sometimes I'll just, like, whip out the binder. Uh, we'll just go over random things. Or just, like, I think one night I was just, like, sorting stuff because I had to give a bunch of stuff back. So I was just getting everything sorted. And we are just kind of talking in the ch- chat and just chilling. Like, I don't know. It's been really nice and laid back. And, like, yeah, the Twitch is more of the laid back fun stuff. The YouTube is more meant to be the... uh structured really thought process stuff like i get kind of deep on my twitch channel sometimes because people like to ask me that like the you know the greater concepts of Yu-Gi-Oh, which i might not be able to fully answer but i still do it to the best of my ability and like we still get in those moods but otherwise it's like really fun chill laid back stuff yeah, and that's exactly what like Twitch is supposed to be. It's it's that the let's hang out, let's chill, that that relaxed atmosphere where it's kind of like a free for all as opposed to YouTube. Like you don't really 
put stuff on YouTube, just like, hey, let's just hang out, and not to just put on a video. It's like, hey, we just hang out and do that. Like you, like there's a purpose for YouTube as opposed to Twitch. You can just, you can just kind of just do whatever you want yeah. at that point in time. So I, I'm glad that you put that pointed it up because you know some people like to like you know want to stream on YouTube or want to just put all their the streaming stuff on YouTube. It, it can kind of get a bit of a mess, and then they kind of get mixed into things. But you know, it's good that you have that Twitch and YouTube to kind of differentiate the kind of content that you have. So it's like at least a little bit more neat and organized, you know, when people, yeah, exactly. It, I like having the different stuff and it like, it keeps it fresh on both ends. Cause then I feel more comfortable. Like, you know, if I'm like a little bit dragged down, of like just only having fun, I can do a couple serious, like constructed stuff. Like, or if I'm just like getting super annoyed by the videos I have to make, I can just go have some fun. So it, it's a nice duality between the two of them. So mm -hmm. Yeah, and not to mention that you can also take like your your clips and highlights from whatever on your Twitch streams, and even bring them and then import them into YouTube too, so that way they can still yeah, get like tastes of what you have on your Twitch. That's what I've been trying to do too, because like uh, like I mentioned earlier, like the donor requests for me to play their decks at locals. That's like the main thing I've been uploading lately. But I've been like using it like half as padding, half like for until I make the next structured thing, and then half as um you know, a way to draw people in more. Cause I think there's like a lot of, it's, you know, still has something to do with my YouTube because I have to like go methodically over everything and like analyze it to a degree that people would want me to. So it kind of provides like the best of like both worlds in a way. So, Ugh. yeah. I mean, that, that I completely understand. Cause like, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit tricky to, kind of like you know get the balance between like your your twitch mm -hmm. and, and your youtube because you know you want both of them to be successful but again of course when you like kind of focus like two different attentions the well, it's it could be difficult to try to get them at the growth that, that you want per se unless you can interchange them but then again we know that you know subs on uh, twitch are a little bit harder to get because people yep. pay for them as opposed to youtube you don't really have to pay for any of those subs they they can just yeah just want to well, i mean follows exist so Oh, that's true that that i mean there is that too that's uh, uh, speaking of like of your youtube channel uh you you posted a, a video recently which has garnered some pretty <laughs> solid attention that i've i've seen it was um you know you pointed out that you know net decking was one of the be better ways to get it uh, get better, one of the best ways to get better at Yu Gi Oh. uh could you like i'm sorry what was that oh did you oh did you hear me there yeah, I can hear you now. You okay, good. For a sec. Yeah, I think someone tried to call me. There, that's what happened. Uh. <laughs> so, anyway, could you like talk more about uh, that video? Because uh, to me, it's garnered so much attention as of late. Yeah, it, it was really funny because like I uh, I posted on Zodiac at first, like I like you know the initial like, hey, go check out this video. I would really appreciate it. And the Zodiac post got more attention than the video itself got, which was kind of like we could have at least gone over to watch the video and like a lot of the people that even commented on the zodiac post didn't even watch the video and it was like crazy and i don't know i knew it was going to be a controversial topic to a degree but i didn't think it was going to be that bad but then like every single like pro player that like saw the post on zodiac actually took the time to watch the video but they also knew i knew what i was talking about anyways so i know these people and like every single one of them was like yeah, you're right. Good video. And then it was like everyone else that was like, nah, it's bad because they don't understand the full concepts of how you can like grow and understand with a deck to like learn the greater concepts. And instead, people just flat put it as copy a deck play. They don't understand like the deeper concepts that you can have when learning a deck. And I think that's when it like people, you know, it, it's bad, but 
if you do it right, then it's really good and you learn a lot. Because, like, one of the points I made in the video is, like, I'm actually not a person that uses, like, my own constructed lists a lot of the time. Like, you'll see almost every single deck profile I put up will say, I got this list from someone else and I made a change, like, a couple cards. But, like, the foundation and everything, most of what was done was from everyone else because I know how to, like use my resources properly because if I'm not going to like do as good of a job as I would like to, I'd rather mm -hmm. someone else pick up the slack and, you know, we work together to make the best product. And I think if you're not as experienced with it, it's one of the best ways to learn. And then you can learn from that deck and how it was constructed and put that towards future deck building. And then you also get to like work on your technical place sooner and have like a lot more to work with as opposed to if you spent like let's say you had to spend like a week building a deck and then you had to play it the next week so then you have to spend another week testing the deck mm -hmm. but if you just got the deck right away you can spend those full two weeks testing and getting that full understanding of it and you can even make some informed changes after that so i don't know i think when you do it right it, it it's a really powerful tool but yeah of course when you do something half-assed you're never going to get results so <laughs> Would you agree that you know net decking is like is at least good to a point, but there's still at least some some kind of like not creativity per se, but there still has to be like your own like play style that you have to like modify with the deck to in order to maximize it, or you think it's just pure net decking is, is just good enough to get the way to go? Well, okay, so I don't agree with the play style uh, argument. I think. Uh, wh what you need to look at is the growth of the format and what's happening around because at the end of the day there are still going to be technically correct choices that exist so you should make changes yes but you should do it as like informed choices for what is going on in the current format and not so mm -hmm. much what you think you want to play more to like make it original and the thing is once you like really sit down and analyze how a deck is built you can understand because there's a lot of creativity that even goes into standard lists and they become standard because they've worked and they were good but it still took a lot of time to get to that point and being able to understand what got it to that point is going to let you like be able to pick apart decks in the future and understand those concepts that you might not have been able to understand before and so you just gain another like deeper level of understanding that you might not have had before that you get to have now because you have a finished product in front of you that you can sit and analyze as opposed to having to make your own products that you can't really have the same amount of like time and effort testing because there's some people that put in hundreds of hours into the single deck and now you, it's like a uh, like a study sheet that you get for homework is mm -hmm. you, you get a ability to get a greater understanding compared to having to like make the study sheet on your own so mm -hmm. i think that's how i look at it and um at the end of the day like as long as you make the correct choices for what the format and the meta is evolving to i think you're fine but don't look at it purely as like you need to be creative for yourself if you're trying to gain success in the game you need to do like what you think is going to be the best way for you to succeed and if this is how you do it no one should have to fault you or like no one should fault you for that and they should respect you because like you just it's a competitive game why should you get faulted for doing what's going to make you the most competitive
Mm-hmm. And I, I remember seeing the, the the Zodiac post that was there, and yeah, it was it was absolutely crazy at that point because again, just people just kind of read like the surface, like the title, they just see it on a surface and then kind of go for that. It's not like they don't like actually see what you meant in depth by that, and then because they don't do that, they don't understand like the the nuances that might be there, uh, you know, compared to what your title is, because you know you have to explain your title on top of that too, and people just automatically just go right at your right at your throat for it. So that's definitely like a one thing that I can understand why like you had to you know you had to explain it in the video but a lot of people would just be at your throat at it because like they're just going to be that one little statement that you just make and not yeah. really like go further with it and I mean at the end of the day if they're going to flame me for it they're going to flame me for it like I know <laughs> at the end of the day that I am actually right about this like this is one of those like there's a few things I can say with 100% certainty I know I am right about because I 100% know I'm right about this and if people mm-hmm. like people are just too stuck in the mentality of like trying to be creative and trying to do this or that and it's like mm-hmm. okay if you're trying to get better you got to look at what are the most efficient ways to do that and mm-hmm if you're not going to do that for yourself then sure that's fine that's what you prefer to do but don't you know come down on other people that are trying to better their game in the best way possible and it just mm-hmm. happens to be that this is one of the best ways possible yes i mean i, ha- I had this conversation with uh yasin on my podcast when when he was on and he told me that you know net decking is, is like it's good for it's good to an extent because at least like when you net deck you at least can understand like the basics the foundation how the deck operates, like know where its weak points are, and just just get like a really good understanding of the deck. But then once you learn like the net that everything from that decking, then that's where you're able to start. Like maybe if you want to like branch off or maybe add another tech here and there, then you know that that's where you can go off of. But it's a, but it's a good foundation to at least start by net decking and then kind of work your way around from there. Right. If you completely rely on it, like it's not the best thing, but the intention was never to completely rely on it. But like, there's still even some cases where like some people don't just entirely always like build their decks, do their things. Like we've seen literally like Nats, the last Nats we had, the national champion did not build his own deck list. And Mm -hmm. like, why would you not want to play with something that's like going to give you your best chances? And it's a similar concept is just, he still used it to grow and understand it. And like, if you're not using it as a learning tool, then yeah, it's, you're going to fall short every time. And I think that's where people fall short is they don't use it as an opportunity to learn. They just use it as an opportunity to blindly play and exist. And I think that's where it gets to the, you know, bad name it has for itself and is where, you know, it's not doing you any good because you're not using it to learn and you think you can learn from other facets where you have so much to learn from it that you're just not letting yourself do. Yeah. And that's kind of like one of the misrepresentations that like you had so much on that, that Zodiac yep. thread is that, is that, you know, people didn't actually click on the video. So they just, they're easily like kind of misrepresenting what you're saying because they didn't do that. And it just makes it that much more me- easier to like attack and flame you and whatnot. When like, when you, if you actually just click on the video, you actually go in depth and explain everything. So that way yep. you like, you're supposed to clear up these nuances, nuances, but, but again, that's just, that's just the nature of the internet, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, no. Just, and, they, just want, they just want it quick and easy. <laughs> I expected it to a degree, but at the end of the day, if you you already had your opinion about it, you probably weren't clicking on the video anyways, and you were already going to do the same thing. So, like, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. It's just like, all right, I just know you 
are comfortable where you are and you don't want to get better, that's that's fine. Like, it's not mm-hmm. my concern at the end of the day now. I did my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I can completely understand that. I mean, it, it got it got attention anyway, which was good. And like and it's mm-hmm. It's and you're starting to, to really, really develop like your your own following again, like over almost eighteen thousand subscribers on YouTube. So yep. I mean, I know you've been around the block for for quite some time. Like I'm, I'm well aware of your name for for years. So I, I know yeah. that you've you've had this mainstay popularity. It's just that lately in the past like couple of weeks, you've just exploded out of nowhere. And I think it's I think the Twitch really helped to kind of like help promote your name even more, like make it more popular than you yeah. already are as it is. Like I said, it it was really useful that like. People, like, I'm one of the few female Yu-Gi-Oh players that exists in this game. So, like, that definitely helps. And then the fact that, like, like Cody, Pac, uh, and, like, all these people, like, they know me. I'm friends with them. And, like, they're willing to, you know, throw the bone my way because, yeah, of course, they're going to help out their friends. And, like, there's even these other big content creators that still know who I am and still willing to, like, throw me the bone because they want, like, to see everyone else succeed. So, like, it's, I don't know the Twitch community is really good to each other and like we all try and help each other out. So, I mean, I haven't been able to do as much helping myself as I'd like to, but you know, I'm going to get to that point, but you know, we're all good and friendly with each other and it's just nice to help all of us grow with each other. So. Yeah. And I think that was, that's a really good thing. That's what's been happening right now, at least like with the Yu-Gi-Oh community, even though like Zodiac may not be like a great representation of it, Mm -hmm. but at least like all like the content creators and whatnot that we're, we're not trying to compete with each other. Like we're actually trying to like build each other up. Like there's so many like YouTubers that like collaborate with each other. Same thing with Twitch. Like it happens all over the place. We, we're trying to build all of each other up. And a lot of the guests that I have on my podcast, like we, like where we become friends, like we would talk a lot more, like uh-huh. even like before, even before we had the podcast. And like, that's a really great thing to do. It's like, we're all building ourselves up because like, you know, we truly like each other's product. And, you yeah. know, as, as a result, like we all get bigger and better. And it's, it's nice to see that, you know, like the the friendships you have with everyone else is really starting to promote your product because, like, mm-hmm. your your product has been like improving well over time. That when I've been watching your stuff, yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy where it gets where I'm getting to it because, like, I mean, I've only been like very into the like Yu Gi Oh community for like a few years now, and it's still crazy just uh, with only like a limited amount of tops that I do have that I've been able to still grow into like, like there are people who call me like a household name, a staple, and I'm still just like bewildered by that. And like, but it helps me grow the brand. So like, I just have to kind of like grit and bear it. Cause I don't see it as that. I'm like, cause I always view myself as a person that like, cause I'm friends with a lot of pro players. And like, when we go to events, like I'm hanging out with them. I'm just, I just assume I'm some girl that's just hanging out with, you know, those guys. But like, I would also test with them too. And like, I would get in the nit and gritty with them and like, you know, we would all have all that stuff and it's just nice to see it kind of all like transform into a true like viewable product that of like my growth around here. So it, it's, it's cool to see how it, you know, manifests itself. So. Yeah. And then again, like you don't want to under uh, underestimate you be just because of just because like you're, you're a girl per se, because that's something we don't see a whole lot of. Like we have like very few like women that are like competitive in the game, but you're one of them, first of all. And you're like, and not so much you're producing like quality content on top of that. So I think it's almost like a, like a benchmark kind of platform that you're setting for 
for everyone else out there to show, yeah, like I can do this too. It's not a, it's not a big deal. It's not because I'm a girl or anything. It's because I'm just good at the game. And you're, you've been doing that on your streams and you do that with, with the, with the events that you've topped as well. Yeah. Like, like no one thinks that I can't compete with them. Like I, they know I'm like on their skill level or can like, you know, properly help them test or properly do whatever. So, and I like, you know, I've gotten really lucky in opportunities I've been able to get, and I like to be able to try and like spread that, you know, spread the wealth around, so to say. And the wealth is like the wealth of knowledge, and I think that's like a really important thing in the game. That like, I, it's not like I'm revealing like insane stuff we need to keep to ourselves. I'm, re you know, revealing like general things that are still going to like help you grow and succeed the same way I did. But I'm not going to like you know give out all the trade secrets. But you know. A little bit here and there, it's still going to do a lot of good. So I like trying to do what I can and, you know, give back in a sense. Yeah, you know, spe speaking of giving back, I know one of your donation incentives on your Twitch is that you have people, uh, you know, g just give you, gives you like a, just a small pocket change just to like rate your, rate their deck and, you know, suggest changes to it. Is, is that something that you get uh, often on your Twitch? Um, I have people ask me about that. And that's like the main thing with like the, the, uh donor reviews like the 15 dollars ones for me to play their deck in locals they also want to see me like play it so i can get a better understanding to help their deck and they also mm -hmm. like seeing the playing aspect of it too because like sure me looking at a deck list and suggesting these little changes here or there like are cool and all but if they actually get to see me play it they also get a better understanding of how i look at how i'm playing a deck and maybe they can learn some plays about it that they wouldn't have known before or just gain some sort of deeper understanding so it gets even go like a level deeper than just all right i'm going to kind of try and fix up your list and see what we can do but we're actually like taking it to a whole nother level which i don't think a lot of people do to the same degree which i think is i'm, I'm gonna hope that's gonna be my draw for right now and that i can you know uh, continue to like produce you know quality enough content with that that uh people are happy with the product at the end of the day and you know i get just get to help them out so yeah and as, speaking of which i think yeah yesterday you you put up uh i think you streamed up online for there for for twitch and i think you're playing uh you're, you're playing the bird up yep. uh on your, on your twitch if i recall correctly yep yep i was doing that uh i streamed on tuesday and i uploaded the video yesterday um but yeah, that was like some. That was actually just one of my friends that donated for it because he just. There's some people also that kind of just want to like mess around with me, and like he knew I didn't like the deck as much, but like it still gave a different perspective and gave like a good talking point to go through everything, and it still was like something people enjoyed uh, watching. You know, me playing a deck that I might not be the most comfortable with, but still playing it to a degree that they might not have thought of before, and just seeing like what I might think of it and how I might, you know, warp and change it. So I don't know. I think people like it to some degree, at least. I mean, this deck has started to gain a little bit of uh, a little popularity, at least. And like, or at least people are like, you know, talking mm -hmm. about the deck. We haven't, I haven't really seen it in action yet. So like, can you talk to me more about how, how this deck actually operates? Yeah. So the concept of the deck is just to eventually be able to link climb into a, cause like, your typical end board is uh, the Samorg link, summoning either the Barrier Statue or the Apex Avion, and then uh, you'll have, like, one or two means of protection via, like, uh, the Ancient Warrior link and, like, Link Kriva for attacking. Um, I'm just trying to have, like, you know, a decent foundation built up, because it, 
it really easily like is able to like climb and have its consistency to it and like the bird cards guarantee you have some potential form of like recursion afterwards or um just some otk potential as well it it's really versatile in a sense because you have a lot of different resources to work with but it it has this weird i don't know like it tunnel visions into one specific play as opposed to the other decks which i don't like as much and it has some easier stopping points to a degree but i think it's definitely a, like a different concept deck that's really cool to mess around with and it can contend for sure i just don't know if it's you know at the level everyone wants it to be but it's still something new and cool that's worth messing around with so is it one of those decks where there's like a million different ways to get to just like one end result that you want or is it like or there's like different end results you can have um the end results don't vary much because uh you can't put up like a ton of different negates compared to what a traditional like deck would be like if we look at dragon link from last format and how those negates were built up the best i'm ending on is like a barrier statue a bounce and then if I'm, like, open insane insane, maybe I can also have an Appaloosa, but it doesn't... It, it just has a weird way of doing it at some points that you get tunnel visioned into the same play, and it sometimes can just fall short, because if you open really poorly, then you just end, like, a barrier statue with a smorg link pass, and then you can kind of just lose from there, or, like, there are some choke points for hand traps that it gets weird. I don't know. It its end board is weird, but I think it has potential. I just don't know when we're gonna be able to like fully reach and realize that potential. Is it a deck that you would consider playing at locals on like on your own free will or only if you got paid to do um it? right now, only if I got paid. It's just not something I truly I don't know. It, I just don't think it's good enough to a degree or does enough, like, different cool stuff. Like, if I'm playing, like, a real deck, I'm going to try and play one of the best decks or something that's, like, you know, really able to do a lot. Like, I really like the Ad Emancipator deck, and that just had so much it could do. But then we go to the Bird deck, and it's, like, you still have to tunnel vision on a specific play. You can't, like, kind of freestyle it in a way. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not one of the decks I've enjoyed the most. It's fine, but in the realm of like decks i normally like to play it just feels like it's really like um i don't know constricting i guess and even though it has a lot of resources that do different things you still just can't do as many different things as you like to so mm -hmm. yeah. and that's something and that's something i wanted to circle around back to where you where you said that you know you only really like playing the like not really like the top tier decks but like maybe like a tier two deck or something or something like that uh you explain why that is you like to play those kinds of decks um i just like being able to compete to the best of my ability i'm kind of a really competitive person in nature um and if i feel like i'm just doing a disservice to myself if like i'm not doing that because i want to be able to you know uh, do the best I can like I obviously travel to events and do everything I do because I want to like perform and do well and if I'm not playing something that isn't gonna fully get me there I don't consider it worth it like I know I've made some substandard picks in the past that have still gotten me there but at the end of the day I'd still rather try and give myself the best chance I can and like if we have some like 
secret thing that we realize might be the right pick, then, you know, we can go off the beaten path. But otherwise, like, if you're playing a best deck, you're giving yourself the best chances, and you also get to play, like, with your entire deck, essentially, because that's, like, a, a lot of what best decks have become these days, is playing with your entire deck, which really lets your skill shine through as a player, as opposed to, uh... Like, if I'm just playing an Altergeist deck, I set four cards, summon Marionette, or pass. Like, there's still some nuances you have, but you have to still really think about and formulate everything you do. A lot of people think it's just, I have to memorize 15 combos, but there's so much more to do with it that, like, it, it harkens a lot to, like, what people liked in Yu-Gi-Oh, I think, which is, like, uh you know, a lot of back and forth, and with hand traps being a thing, you still have to have that same, like, skill set of being able to do that back and forth, because then you have to adjust and adapt to each situation, and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, being able to have access to your entire deck with one of the best decks is gonna really let that shine through as, like, growing as a skillful player, and if you do it wrong, you just get punished horribly, and then you just lose, but if you do it right, like you're going to get to that spot and it's going to end up working. So it gives me the best, you know, playability I can without like sacrificing anything else. And it just lets me continue to grow as a player as well. Yeah. And I, I really love playing those decks where I get punished like terribly if I play badly, because like, that's, I feel like that's like a, one of the best ways to learn is like, you know, if you make the mistake, like you get, get paid for it. That's like, I think the great way of showing that, okay, this is where mm -hmm. you screwed up. Don't do it again. Cause like, I, I want to be a better player myself too. And you know, sometimes mistakes are the best way to go. So, and that's what, and it forces me. So when I actually play that I'm like meticulous and I'm, and I'm, I've thought everything over before I make the play. So that way, like I'm coming up with the best result ever as opposed to just kind of like winging it in a sense mm -hmm. and then like leave myself open for a shot, you know? So I, I like that where if, if you make a mistake, get punished for it. And I love doing the same to my opponents. If they make a mistake, I will punish them as much as I possibly mm -hmm. can for doing that play. Yeah. I especially like that on stream. Cause like literally like if I see my opponent, just like if I think I'm going to lose and I'm just sitting there like, ah, uh, ah, uh, yes, this is, this is where it's going. And then literally I'll see them mess up and I literally have the opening to just destroy them. I'm like, I like silently freak out and then I get to see the chat's reaction too. And it's just such a fun back and forth moment. <laughs> <laughs> do, do the people when you play on Twitch do they know that they're they're being yeah I, well I always ask them, them before if they're okay with it if they're not okay with it then like I I haven't actually had someone say no yet but I always ask first I, you kind of have to but I mean I also don't pay attention like since there's enough a delay on stream like it's not like Twitch can tell me what to do and like usually there's no one that's like in the chat that I'm really gonna like hard look at anyways I just take some glances to make sure no one's like spamming or doing something you know that's tos or whatever um like sometimes chat will check like checks or uh find some illegal plays and like just let me know and like that's the one thing i'll let happen because if it's an illegal play then like you know we can't really like let it continue and otherwise like i, I very yeah. much tune them out and i just but getting the reaction from the ah uh, yes we did it is you know really fun <laughs> <laughs> so uh, have you been like really enjoying your your, your twitch twitch experience in these two weeks that you've been going yeah after? it's been about a month but yeah it's i don't know it's been really positive and exciting oh, um and i'm really excited to see how much more i can grow it and like 
everyone around me is really positive and wants to see what happens. And it then my friends like to joke around too, like, oh, you're gonna become like Twitch famous, you're gonna get the simp army and everything. And I'm like, oh god, no. I'm just trying to stream some Yiki and have fun, you know? <laughs> um so and that's what it's been so far. I uh yeah, I really like it a lot. <laughs> I, I think when I asked you on stream to come on my to come on my podcast, I think you had one of your friends kind of like just kind of mock me for fun when I when I'd asked you because I because I asked you like pretty formally and like professionally yeah. about it. And I think I got mocked on stream. I just oh yeah no I, I, I was like kind of chuckled that there's no on problem. It. It's like it's the best way to hit <laughs> me up probably at the time because I I don't know I'm very bad at like. See, I don't know. I'm not the most social person, even though I'm like very social on my Twitch. So it's probably like harder to like randomly find and get in touch with me. So I was like the best way to do it. I'm like, well, he isn't doing anything wrong. He's working his grind. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so there's sometimes always joking around. I wonder if it was my girlfriend or not that said that to you, but I don't remember. Uh, I, th I think it was a man that I think it was a man I don't know. that did it, it that kind of mocked me. I, I, I yeah, laughed. it was, I it, it, it was funny. It I don't care. It's just like that's how Twitch can be sometimes, yeah. and we all just mess around. And like, obviously, I'm here, so it's not you know anything like that. Yeah, no, no, of course not. I mean, like, I when I when I did my Twitch, sorry, when I did my uh, podcast with Farfly, he live streamed it on, and when I was doing my intro, he just kind of like he kind of like mocked me a little bit in his avatar. And when I saw it, I was like trying not to laugh because mm -hmm. I was doing my intro. And so I was, I was watching the stream, the whole thing. But I mean, you, when you go to yeah. Farfa, I mean, that, those yeah. kind of things are happening. That's what you expect mm -hmm. from him. So it's not, it's not like I'm going to like walk into a fire and then complain that it's hot. You know, if I'm going to go to Farfa, I'm going to expect to be like mocked a little bit in some Yeah. And some I mean, at the end of the, the day, it should be known that like with Farfa's content, it's all in good fun. And like it, it I don't know. I think that's like one of the things too is if you know you're gonna be around Farfo watching his stream, watching his content, doing anything, like you have to, you know, be all ready for that. Like my girlfriend is the biggest Farfa fan. We'll just be sitting in bed one day and then she'll just yell pendulum at me. And I'm just like, woman, <laughs> is this not enough for you? Like, I don't know. It so I have to deal with it in the Yu-Gi-Oh! world and outside of it, and it's uh <laughs> It's like, yeah, I know Farfa. Like, yeah, I get it. I get it, woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's. I mean, he's. He's always a hoot, and like, I, I, all his Twitter's just pretty entertaining because it's. It's. It's all like making a mockery of all of a lot of things and making fun of. But he'll make fun of himself yeah. sometimes too. So you know, it's like you gotta have a little bit of thick skin when you're yeah. with him. But you know, like once you like get by that, he was. He was actually like a pleasure to talk to when we like, actually got down to like, you know, business and brass tacks when we actually did the podcast. But of course, like, that's just who he is. That's, that's what he does. And that's, there's nothing wrong with it. That's, that's his thing. It's just, maybe not everybody's into yeah. it, but again, I had no problem with it all, but you know, that's just the kind of thing that you, the, that just, that just comes mm -hmm. up because you know, like we, we all like to joke around and have fun at the end of the day. And sometimes we'll make fun of each other on top of it. I know I've made fun of my, we all you make know, fun of each other. Like we're as friends, like I made fun of my friends. They made fun of me. I'm sure you have the same experiences you know, too with your friends. And, and that's just, yeah, happens. no, like, uh, I like, uh, I'm always in like Cody's stream, uh, Cody Angelov, and like I will literally just call him a bully yeah. constantly because, but I mean, we also like literally <laughs> usually stay with each other at every event. Like, we're like, you know, we're those kinds of friends where I can just publicly like come at you at str on stream and just, you know, he knows I'm messing with him and it's 
f the fun back and forth that we have. And like the thing is too with Farfa, I think there's always gonna need to be someone like him in a community. But at the end of the day, we all know he's a good dude. We all know he means well, and like. It, yeah. it's a thing he has to do and like i think that's something people forget too about a lot of these youtube people like for example like sam and triff they always get like this flack for this or that but they actually like know what they're doing to such a smart degree and like i've met both of those dudes like outside of like the youtube world and like we'll just which has been at events and they're like some of the sweetest people you've ever talked to and like they're super smart and cool and it's just like you know you gotta remember at the end of the day like they're doing this for like part for content sake but like you know, they're doing everything they do in a very smart way, even if it's Farfa's dumb jokes, like he's still being very calculated and smart with whatever he does. And I think that's also something really cool yeah. to look at too, is like, you know, people being smart with their content. And that's exactly it. They, you know, they may like act stupid or anything like that, but they're being but they're being absolutely intelligent about it. Like there's there's a story that I heard a while ago where like the like the jester in a king's court is actually like the smartest person in the kingdom. He's the only one who can like speak the truth to the king. He's the only one that's you know that can like say whatever he wants and get away with it. And that's kind of like what Farfa is. You know, he's 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 plays that jester role where like he can say whatever he wants, but there's you know, like some of it can be true, some of it can be really funny, but you know, but he knows exactly what he's right. doing. Like he knows, like he knows, like like how to carry his brand, and that's how he. Does and the it. thing is, that's crazy too. Is like he can even bridge the gap between like the Yu-Gi-Oh community and Konami because he's done work for them. And it's crazy. There was a point where they're like, "What's a Farfa? Like, why would we ever want to like make anything with this guy?" And now he's like yeah. a mainstay with them, and it it really shows. Like you know, once you learn how to like pick and choose everything and know how to like properly like navigate it all how like i don't know i mm -hmm. i think that requires like so much smarts that i probably wouldn't have myself but you know dudes dude knows what he's doing so yeah and he does and you're, you're absolutely also right about the same thing with uh triff and sam because they live like about 90 minutes yeah. away from where I live. I live very close to him. So I've been to events with him before and I know them like outside of like their YouTube personality. Although Trip is again, like he's, he's still yeah. pretty loud as it is, but he's still like a pretty cool guy. He's not quite as like obnoxious as he might like perceive mm -hmm. himself or like confident and like machismo like in real life. And Sam, like he's still kind of a hype guy, but also like really nice, really awesome to hang around. We've been at Botang's wedding before. I've mentioned that like a million times on the podcast. We've hung out before and we've like, We've got yeah. drunk together. We've been, like eaten a ton of food together. So like Sam, it's like Sam and Trip are really cool to hang out with. Like again, like they're still relatively the same of what we see them online. Maybe it's like a a slight more like elevated version of them per se, but they're still very they're still very genuine in how yeah. they act like in real life compared to how they act like on their YouTube. And I think that like really resonates with a lot of people because that's that's yeah. Really well, who they but, are. like I know people always like try and come at Sam for like his casual-ish content and, like, some of the stuff he puts out, but, like, people don't realize how actually smart he is when he comes to YouTube, and, like, his role in the Yu-Gi-Oh! community is so important that, like, if he stopped making the content that he did, it would not grow to the depths that it has today. Like, he's still an important mainstay, and you may not like it, but it's an important bridge that needs to exist, and he handles it very well and very smartly that, like, you can't deny his his necessary impact that exists. Yeah, yeah, definitely so, because, like, even though there's, like, a bunch of 
that of a bunch of Sam haters that could be out there, but he's got a, like a great following. I being one of them, and like he's done a fantastic job with his content. I mean, he's obviously doing something right if he's like one of the most popular YouTubers out there. Like right. he's, he's doing and, something, which, which again, and is, he knows like, how really to spread good. it around too. It's not like he's keeping everything to himself. He's trying to like grow everyone at the same time too, and. Being that gateway, it's a really important thing that needs to exist, and he navigates it really well and still makes sure, like, everything gets spread around. And, like, yeah, I don't know. He, When you're thinking about flaming a Sam video or something, like, at the end of the day, he is making the gateway content that we need, that, like, needs to exist, but people aren't ready for that conversation, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like his stuff is a, at least like a gateway for people to kind of, to kind of get into things. You know, like he, I know he always puts like his videos like the best and whatnot. But that's because he believes that they're the best. But then again, like if you don't believe they're the best, then fine. Like you, you can at least like use that as like a platform to kind of branch out like your own style or whatnot, or like your own modification to a deck. Because I do that all the time too. Like I might take someone's deck list. Oh, then like I'm gonna tweak it to like the way I like it or the way it suits my style. Or if I think that like there's this really cool tech that I think we can implement into it you know at least he's providing something at least a uh -huh. service for us in some way shape or form that we can use like for in whatever way we want right exactly so like it's a necessary role and like he does it really well so yeah i appreciate that and then like then there's a triff aspect i'm there's this one story i have about triff that like it because so <laughs> the, right after he got his one ycs top you know jokingly but uh he got that ycs top and like a month later um, one of my main par testing partners, Justin Singh, he was like visiting me and uh, he was on DB and he was trying to actually play the pendulum deck, like his own little like twist on it or whatever. Yeah. And like, he's actually trying to play it and he got paired up against Triff on DB and rated. And like Triff literally took the time to sit there and coach him through all the plays and like all these different nuances and everything. And like Triff literally beat himself mm -hmm. in the match just to help Justin learn this dude that he didn't even know, never had interacted with, but like he took the time to like really help him learn it and understand it and like actually be like a good wholesome person, which cemented like, yeah, this dude, like mm -hmm. he's literally just trying to be YouTube dumb, but like, you know, trying to, he, he has a thing he wants to do, but he's actually like, one of the sweetest dudes ever and the fact that he was that helpful to a complete stranger who then like literally because of like the help from triff justin went on to like win an ARG like a few weeks later and like i don't know that mm -hmm. that experience was like super humbling of like knowing okay yeah so i actually can like like triff <laughs> Yeah, and and the funny thing is too is that like I, I remember seeing like Justin winning that event, and if you won it with Pencil of Magicians, which was the funny thing because he talked yep. to the man who that who is like you know specializes in it, so it's, that's kind of a funny thing. Uh, I did play Triff once at a regional, and he, he was the only person who actually two owed me. But after we had that match, it's like we we ran through everything, we talked through it, and you know, like, what moves could we make? We didn't make, we realized, you know, I was kind of stuck with, like, for the most part, he just, his deck was just better than mine at the time because he was better suited for the matchup. But, like, we walked through everything, and he was just fantastic ab about it when we talked. And, you know, he gave me a great match. It was, like, round six or something. Both of us were 5-0 to, to go in the tournament. So, I mean, we were doing really well, but he just, like, yeah, it was a great match that we had in between. I mean, again, he took the time out to talk to me and like run through like, hey, what could we have done? What could we have not have done? Like we and we had a great conversation about it at the end of it. Of course, I wanted to beat him because mm -hmm. that would have been nice. But nonetheless, like he still like walked me through everything. He was he was great about it all. It's funny how 
like when you actually sit down and have like a real conversation with these people that you see on YouTube, that you'll see like they're a lot they're a lot more similar like you and I like like the more down to earth than you think. Like they're willing to have like a regular normal conversation because that's what they are at the end of the day. They're just yeah, like, exactly. And it's like some people forget that and like and I know like even if I have like a bad opinion of someone because I don't like their YouTube content, I'm never gonna like hold it against them as a person. But it's just like it doesn't mean I need to like care about no. them or exist in their like sphere or whatever you know and it's like yeah that sort of aspect yeah that's that, that, that's definitely true i mean there's it's one thing to uh to like a person and there's another thing to like their content you can like one and not the other it's completely possible to do so and that's like that's something that you know that's that can kind of get like caught in the like kind of got caught in the mix and maybe not be able to differentiate but they, if they're they're not mutually yep. exclusive to each other for exactly. sure exactly no. So uh, when I look at your content too on, on YouTube, before this whole pandemic went down, you used to do uh, a lot of deck profiles. And then of course the pandemic started to hit and then you kind of focused a little bit more on like a bit of like your, just like your little talking head yeah. videos, just offering your opinions and then uh, more on your stream clips. Um, let's say if like where the pandemic were to get over, would be done and over with. Uh, would you go be go back to doing these deck profiles, or would you kind of like continue along the same I path mean, that you're on the now? The deck profiles, like okay, so like in the last few years, like I haven't really been like a consistent, you know, YouTuber or whatever. It the deck profiles just go up when I do well at events, and they're just a catalog, you know, my tops and whatnot. So that so that's never gonna go away because I'm I want to upload my own deck profiles, like you know, I want to be able to do that. But I'm once a pandemic is gone, I don't know exactly how the content will change like as far as like streaming and whatnot but i'm i want to try and do some of the same stuff mm -hmm. and you know carry that forward but 100 like uh, i know the extravaganza is coming up this weekend so if i do well i'll do a deck profile of that like i only do deck profiles when i like i 100 like did well with it or i know with certainty like this is a cool deck i want to show off but like generally i don't do that because i don't have that innovative of actual deck building so it's literally just when i top for the most part and mm -hmm. obviously i've made on the top like since pandemic so <laughs> you know <laughs> do you have uh, any idea what you're going to run at uh at the next uh, Extravaganza? i don't That's know exactly yet there's a couple things floating out around like drytron's always a thing like i know dragon link's been popping up and obviously virtual world is just there's mm -hmm. i always consider like every single possibility i can have until like the last second and like I'm well acquainted enough with like everything to like make a decent enough switch. And like, even if I haven't played a deck for long, it doesn't take long to really like get a good grasp of it. Like the um, qualifier that I topped with uh, at Emancipator, I literally didn't play a single match before I played in that tournament. And I, it's just cause I knew the deck to a decent enough degree where I felt like, like I did test hands or whatever, but I didn't like play a real game of Yu-Gi-Oh and I kind of just like went with it and like saw what happened and just because i knew you know general technical play it helped carry me so i can kind of count on that if i like last minute decide to switch decks uh, okay so you're uh so not entirely sure yet but i'm, I'm sure you'll pop a surprise or two or once yeah or, once it actually happens you know knowing the kind of decks that you play so uh i'll, I'll leave that a mystery for now uh, but uh, is there anything like upcoming on your Twitch or YouTube that uh, that, um, that we should know about or nothing you special? Like the only content I have planned for YouTube right now is like I have a couple videos coming up where 
uh, like one of them is like a discussion about the Prada Prosperity because a lot of people question like what you should you know be playing in it or or what decks you should play it in and whatnot and I know that's like a really mm -hmm. heated discussion and I don't even know if I have the right perspective but I kind of want to throw my two cents into it and whatnot and then like uh, I plan on doing like a video about like the differences between like control and combo decks and why playing a best deck can like help you grow as a player. So it's just general concepts like that right now for like structured YouTube content. Twitch, I don't have anything major right now. It's like, I still just kind of need to go through the regular grind to get where I need to get. Um, I know there's the LCS next month. I'll be streaming that at the very least. So that'll be like the first really big tournament I can stream. So that'll be exciting. Awesome. So at least you get, at least we got that up there. Yeah. Cause uh, LCS has been really hot lately. And I, I talked to yeah. honey about it last week about it. So that's that, that'll be exciting to watch for sure. Cause those things I love watching them because of the, the, the sheer like amount of competition that they're in those tournaments are just uh, absolutely awesome. It's like superstar matchups, like almost every round there's it's, it's somewhere Yo, it's there. You just got to find yeah, it. And I just love no, and, like it. I haven't really competed much just cause like for a bit, I wasn't really into the online scene. Like, I was kind of just doing more like helping out at like my local shop and stuff, uh, you know, with, you know, COVID restrictions, and everything uh, in mind, but like, you know, did a lot more IRL stuff, but then because I randomly just on a whim decided to start Twitch streaming, how do I get back fully into like the online world and like, just, you know, see where I can get and see what I can do and, you know, hopefully get a few more of these online tops under my belt and at least, you know, keep relevant and whatnot. Uh, absolutely and i know uh, be best of luck to you in these uh, these upcoming tournaments i mean you've been on a tear lately so let's see if you can uh, kind of continue that streak especially with the, the kind of style that you play your deck so i'm interested interested to see uh how well you perform and yeah, good appreciate luck to you that in i hope tournaments. i can do okay too <laughs> <laughs> Well, yep. let's let's cross our fingers. Well, at least it's been uh, it's been wonderful having you on. I really appreciate you taking the time out to be on here. Uh, is there any shout outs you want to give? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I'll just give shout outs to like my team, Midwest Gaming. Um, there's this team I'm sponsored by right now. Uh, and then our sponsor, YGO Daily. Uh, I think we have a promo code for it. It's like MWG five or something. It's on like all my YouTube videos and Twitch. And uh, shout out to my local store, TGG Gaming. They're like you know, really growing as, like, a store, and, like, we never really had, like, an amazing locals in Minnesota, like, for Yu-Gi-Oh!, and we're trying to, like, really do that, and, like, we're even trying to do, like, streaming at the store, having, like, a really big website, and then, like, just having a huge presence all over, so trying to do that, and then, I guess, uh, shout out to my girlfriend, who is putting up with me doing this interview right now, <laughs> um, and, like, shout out to everyone who just made it so I could be a success, like, Justin Singh, Cody Angeloff, like, those are two of my biggest, like, like best friends in the year community, and, like, they've been some of the biggest supports and made it so I could get to the point where I am, so, um, huge shout outs to them, they deserve a lot, but, yeah, I think that's about it. And all the links will be in the description below for her sponsors and the Twitch and YouTube. Elise Davis here along with the Elise, a.k.a. Elysium. Thank you so much again for uh, joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate having you on. And again, good luck to you in the uh, upcoming events that you're going to be playing. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I uh, Absolutely. enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. And you have yourself a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>